the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, September the 23rd, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today, in the 1779, during the Revolutionary War, the American warship Bonham Richard, commanded by John Paul Jones, defeated HMS Serapis in a battle off Yorkshire, England. The seriously damaged Bonham Richard, however, sank two days later. But John Paul Jones became famous. Sometimes it works that way. Today in 1806, the Lewis and Clark expedition returned to St. Louis more than two years after setting out for the Pacific Northwest. You know, I don't think they liked the Pacific Northwest all that much. In fact, I know they didn't. Uh, they both wrote in their journals. They have extensive journals, and they're accessible. I mean, you can read them forever if you want to. But I uh, I just looked it up. It, it just crossed my mind. Uh, while they were out here in the Northwest, William Clark wrote in his journal on December 16th, 1805. They were staying uh, in the area of what is now Fort Clatsop, Oregon, just by Astoria, somewhere in there. Anyway... Uh, Here's what he wrote in his journal. He said, William Clark, most dreadful night, the rain continues with tremendous gusts of wind out of the southwest. Certainly one of the worst days that ever was. Well, he was just here at the wrong time of the year in the northwest. We have beautiful weather. Sometimes we even want a little rain from time to time. But That would not be on December 16th on any year. Today in 1846, Neptune was identified as a planet. Today in 1932, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia was founded. Today in 1949, President Harry S. Truman announced there was evidence that the Soviet Union had recently conducted a nuclear test explosion. Well, he was right. The test had been carried out on August 29th. 1949, just like last month of that year. In fact, I mentioned that in this little uh, thing that I do every morning about what happened in history. Today in 1987, Senator Joseph Biden withdrew from the Democratic presidential race because, well, it was discovered and exposed that he had misled the public about his academic record. And he had been plagiarizing his speeches. In other words, he was giving speeches that someone else had given and wasn't crediting them for it, not saying I'm quoting so-and-so, which we do a lot of on this program, as you know. No, he, he wanted people to believe that was all his stuff, and he got caught. Kind of the history of Joe Biden's life, to be honest with you. Today in 2001, President George W. Bush returned the American flag to full staff at Camp David. That symbolically ended a period of national mourning following the 9-11 attacks. Five years ago today, President Barack Obama vetoed a bill 
to allow the families of 9-11 victims to sue the government of Saudi Arabia. Arguing, Obama argued that it undermined national security. Well, whose national security? Theirs or ours? Well, he was implying that it was ours, but I think he was not looking out for America. He never did, really. He always had an excuse, an apology, or he had a different plan than anything that seemed to be pro-American. That's just my view, but it's pretty well informed. Both the House and the Senate vetoed. They voted to override his veto. One year ago today, police in Portland, Oregon, said protesters hurled firebombs at officers in what police said was the worst violent protest Portland had ever seen. A lot going on in our world today. I wish it were better, but we're going through a difficult time. I would like to give a motivational speech and say and five with five points and a little talk at the end about why everything is going to be just great. It is going to be great, but a person is in denial to not think that we're going through a rough patch. Things are not as they should be, not as they have been, and not, hopefully, as they will be. Paul wrote to the Romans, the Roman Christians, in a time such as this. In fact, it was much worse than this at that time. But in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 6, he wrote, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life, and peace. The circumstances in the culture do not determine or should not determine whether we are at peace and whether we are dealing with life. Because if we set our mind on God himself, creator, the great I am, the beginning and the end, the alpha, the omega, if we set our minds and our hearts on him and his word, The circumstances of this world will not determine whether or not we have a life and whether or not we live that life in peace. I'm not talking about denial. I'm talking about the truth of God's Word. And it transcends the emotions, the difficulties, the, the setbacks, the fears, the anxieties, all that is wrapped up in where we are in our culture today. Frankly, it's a mess. But God is God. The psalmist wrote, before Paul ever wrote his letter to the Romans, he said, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend or confuse or bring anxiety to them. That's the word of the Lord. Keep that in mind as we look at what's going on in the culture today. And that's what we do on this program is try to take a look at it and put it in the context of God's word and God's truth and the fact that God is in control. But keep in mind, the culture would try to creep in and put its nasty hands around our heart and our emotions and our minds and so on. Don't let that happen. You don't have to live like that because... As I said, we not in denial, 
that's a whole different path. But trusting the Lord with all of thy, our heart and our mind and our, our soul, and leading not unto our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledging him, that kind of concept, and that is the biblical concept. That's what God wants for his people. God has never told us that we would be problem-free in the world, individually or collectively in our culture. But he has told us he will never fail us. He will always be with us. I want to talk to you a little bit more about Haiti. This is a continuing story. It's dominating the news. That and the that young girl that they have now found her body. She was traveling with her boyfriend, fiance, I guess. Everybody, anyway, that's a different talk for a different time. But the Haiti issue is dominating the news again today. Just a few minutes ago, PBS News this morning put out a news story, and others have picked it up. I noticed just as I was coming on the air, just right now, um, President Biden's special envoy for Haiti, the ambassador, this Daniel Foote, I guess he's pretty well known in Democratic circles and uh, Democrat political circles and so on. He resigned suddenly. He said he will not take part in the United States' inhumane, counterproductive decision to deport thousands of Haitian refugees. In his resignation letter, Secretary of State, he sent it to Antony Blinken, um, as I said, PBS is reporting that, but I noticed a couple of other uh, news sources are starting to report it today. But the, the slant on that seems to be that he doesn't think that we should be deporting them because they have needs and that they should be kept in the United States. And I think that probably is where he's coming from. I don't know a lot about this guy, except other people do in, in on the left. They know him well, I guess. But my take on that was that he's upset because Biden has been saying that he's returning thousands of these. We're, we're turning them all back. We're taking them. We're flying them back to Haiti and blah, blah, blah. But he isn't. Has this guy been misled I mean, one of his own staff of Biden's administration people, has he? does he think they're really sending them back to Haiti? They're sending a few hundred back while they're releasing. Joe Biden, our president, is releasing thousands into the country. I mentioned that yesterday. I gave the list of the names of the cities. Yakima, Washington was in the list, uh, was the only city listed at that time. That's been 24 hours ago, but... That was listed as one of the recipients of Haitians uh, that in the Northwest. But I tell you, this guy, I don't, I don't understand the point he's trying to make is that they should all be staying in the United States. And the fact of the matter is most all of them are. So there's probably something else going on here. So just kind of ignore that story. I think it's going to probably get some press because the press will see that it's a story they can use to kind of get their own agenda pushed forward. But yes, Biden's policies are deeply flawed, but I don't think that's the point this guy is trying to make. You've got to be careful with, you know, the, new, the news has become an activist organization, and I think we all know that. And I'm simply saying, I don't know where that story is going to go, but be careful 
<laughs> little ears what you hear um, on that issue. Interestingly enough, though, the Haitians are not escaping Haiti. It's one of the worst places on the planet. I mean, it's the most poor, the most, I mean, it's horrible place. I mentioned yesterday, I, I've been all over the world working in many, many, many third world countries uh, in evangelism, in ministry, starting churches, bringing in guys, a lot of them from the northwest here, the west coast, some from all over the country, building churches, actually building a building where they can meet, turning it over to them. I didn't keep any responsibility or any kind of accountability from them, although many of them have stayed in touch with me over the years. But I have... I have never seen anything quite like this because we've never really had a president quite like this before. And I, that's not political. It's a spiritual observation on my part. But these people are not, that are coming across our border, not coming from Haiti. That's the issue. Julia Rosas is down there and he works for... Uh, Town Hall, which is a Salem organization, they own radio stations, some of which some of you are listening to a Salem station now. Well, Town Hall is part of their organization. Julia Rosas has been down there for several years. He's been on the border down there take, checking out things. Well, he's been in Del Rio, Texas, recently, and uh, he said the, rest, uh, the, the recent surge in illegal immigrants whose nationality has mainly been Haiti in Del Rio, Texas, has brought this border crisis back into the national spotlight. But, he says, many people are asking, how did these Haitians get to Del Rio from Haiti? Well, he said, for starters, a majority of the Haitians who illegally crossed into the United States to seek asylum did not come directly from Haiti. Due to Haiti's long-standing problems, natural disasters, and we know about all that, he said many Haitians have left the country and settled in other countries in Central and South America, particularly many of these people that are living under the bridge are not escaping Haiti. They've already done that several years ago, and they've been living in Chile, or Chile, however, in South America and Brazil. And he said, while speaking, is roses. He said, I've been talking to them. He said, while speaking with immigrants at this makeshift uh, camp under the International Bridge in Del Rio, he said, we noticed they could all speak Spanish. And he said, most Haitians who live in Haiti speak Haitian Creole or French. And one man said he'd been living in Chile the past number of years before recently making his way up toward the United States. Another said he was living in Brazil. Well, I've, I've been in those countries. That it, I mean, it's not America, for sure, but it's not Haiti either. I mean, they're developed countries. The evidence, the majority of these Haitians are not coming, Rosa said, and he's there. I mean, as we speak, he said they're not coming from Haiti. He said we find their cards, these identification documents that they've had in their country where they've been living, he said, we find them strewn all along the pathway leading up to this international bridge in Del Rio where these thousands of them have come. And he said, they've thrown them away so nobody could find them. So they would think, our officials would think that they were coming from Haiti. And Haiti is awful. I mean, it's hell. It's horrible. I mean, they've had a history of witchcraft and all this stuff. I mean, there's spiritual darkness and, and poverty and sewers running in the street. I mean, it's horrible. But that isn't where they've been. 
they're not escaping Haiti. They're escaping Chile or Brazil or whatever because they think America is better. And it is. They're right. The reason Haitian migrants discard their Chilean or their Brazilian Brazilian ID cards is to, on the Mexican side of the border, is because they don't want to our authorities to know where they're coming from. It's a, I mean, you talk about a disaster, but you know, what should, the thing I can't figure out is how did Christians bring themselves to vote for an administration? I, please, if, if you don't listen to this program, you won't know, but I'll tell you, I am not first and foremost, a political person. I am first and foremost, a minister of the gospel, an ordained minister of the gospel, a pastor, youth pastor. All my life I've been in ministry. Yes, I'm a Republican. I'm not a Democrat. I couldn't be a Democrat. I can barely be a Republican sometimes. But man, I mean, how how do you bring yourself to elect this kind of an administration? Those who voted for him said, well, I hate Trump. I can't vote for Trump. Well, here we are. If indeed Biden won the election, and there's so much evidence he didn't really, but that's a different topic. While most of the illegal crossings have been stopped with this influx of Texas state troopers and National Guardsmen in Del Rio, they're here in the country, and it's going to happen again, and everybody's saying that. And this administration is not capable of dealing with it. Now their own people their own people are walking away. And this guy's resignation, this foot guy, it's not in 30 days or 90 days. It was today, done, like now, I'm out. So it, it just, it's such a mess. But I want to talk to you today for a few minutes in the remaining time about a football game. No, I'm not going to get into the football game, but it's kind of the, the setting for what I want to talk to you just a little bit about, because I think it's very important that we hear it, particularly from a person that I, I want to quote. You'll know him. You'll know him well. You know who he is. Not, not personally, but you'll know who he is. So I want to get to that. But let me just take a moment today. I Last month, we ran several thousand dollars behind budget on our income. And um, we have, I have always taken the position from the time we started this. I was not looking for a career when we started this program. I am over 40, and um, I've done enough in my life to satisfy at least my own desires. But um, I, I, I just sort of told the Lord when we started this that if it doesn't financially you know, float, that I'll just know that it's time to not do it anymore. Now, I'm not thinking of turning the switch today, but I'm just telling you we ran a few thousand dollars behind our budget last month. And I know there are some of you who listen to this program and even support it that can help us with that. Some of you who listen and get, you know, inspiration and information from this program. And I appreciate that. There's so many of you who every month you write a check and it just, I mean, we meet our budget. So this is a very rare thing, but in August we did not. So I need your help, and I'm not going to say any more about it. You understand what I'm saying. You're smart people. So if you can help us, thank you to catch up. And then next budget, 
September's budget is already well underway, as you know, on the 23rd day of of the month. Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Thank you for considering this. I'm not going to be talking about it going forward, but I just wanted to let you know we, we need a little help. So thank you in advance. You can also contribute online at faithandfreedom, A-N-D, freedom.us. Not dot, dot, dot .com or dot .whatever, but US. High school football players in Tennessee took over the field following a recent football game last Friday night, in fact. You know the story. An activist anti-Christian group, they wrote a letter to the school and they said, hey, you guys have been having a prayer. So they threatened the school that they would throw them into the lion's den or the fiery furnace. Actually, they promised to sue them if the teachers, coaches, etc. continued to pray to their God on school property. And they were doing that. Rather than bow down, though, to this golden image, if separation of church and state, as it were, the students, not the administrators, decided to take a stand. All these kids, these football players, and the cheerleaders, and all of them. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas rarely makes an official or a public appearance, but he made one at Notre Dame the other day, and I want to share a couple of thoughts that he left for Notre Dame, the university, with us today. But these high school football players in Tennessee, they led their parents and the fans in prayer. And these stadiums in the East and in the South for football, I mean, they look like college. It doesn't look like high school. I mean, they're big. They're huge. Anyway, all this massive amount of people came down on the on the field when the football players came back out after the game. I don't know who won, and that's not the point. But the point is that they all came out there and announced, they got a hold of a microphone and announced they were going to lead in prayer because they, these kids, and they do, have a constitutional right to pray on school property. They do. And that is becoming an issue. And there's a number of governors around the United States. DeSantis in Florida has been leading that. But there's a number of them that are now writing laws that say the Constitution gives a kid the right to pray to his God on public school property. And it does. They cannot they cannot take that away from him. They can take away public prayer. And they can say that, I mean, I still question if that's legit, but they do it. But anyway, that's what happened. So these kids took over and uh, not jerking it out of the hands of the administrators, but they just took over and the administrators seemed to not put up a lot of uh, resistance. I don't know. I don't know any of these people in Tennessee that are involved in this, but it was a pretty big deal. This Bob Vick, he's an alum and a uh, local fan of uh, local high school football. And as I said, it's really a big deal in the South. I mean, it's a big deal everywhere, but it's really big down there, high school. He watched the drama, and then he went and posted this on his Facebook. And it this has been published now. It's been in the news. And I think like a million or, I don't know, thousands and thousands of people have read this. But here's what he posted. He, he posted, quote, Satan's power was defeated tonight as the threat of legal action to forbid prayer after the game was overwhelmed by player-led prayer supported by parents and fans on overall field. That's the name of the football field. God bless the Baxter and Stone players for their faith and courage. Well, people wanted to hear that, and they responded around the country. Every time a school gets caught praying, 
You get this letter from the left, these anti-Christian organizations, we know them all, Freedom from Religion Foundation, Americans United for Separation in Church and State, People for the American Way, they all sound like they're very patriotic. They're not. They're anti-American and particularly anti-Christian. Because the Constitution does not say what they say it does, and the separation of church and state is an inversion of what Thomas Jefferson promised the Danbury Baptist. He said, in a, in essence, in our vernacular of the day, he said, hey, you guys, don't worry, the Danbury Baptist. He said, don't worry. We have put a wall of separation so the U.S. government can never meddle in the affairs of the church. That's what his letter said. I have a copy of it. It's widely available. But they've taken this and inverted it and created a whole movement out of it. And more so, they have put a damper on religious freedom that too many people are bowing down to and saying, oh, yeah, we must. Oh, of course. We have to obey the laws of the land. Well, of course we have to obey the laws of the land. Romans is very clear on that in chapter 13. But, man, I mean, these guys have taken it over the edge. So these kids just said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to pray. What are they going to do? Sue all of these football players and all of the fans and all of the cheerleaders and all of the whomever? I'm wondering if the school board or the superintendent or both kind of wanted the kids to get that message that they could not constitutionally be stopped from praying. I think maybe they did. I hope they did. This whole matter of religious freedom is becoming and is, has become the issue of today. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas, he's a champion of freedom and liberty. I wish the black community could get behind someone like Clarence Thomas or Ben Carson or a number of other people instead of these young kids on the in the black community following these rappers and all these people who are burned out on drugs. I wish they could follow somebody with some class and some demeanor and some understanding of life like Clarence Thomas and others, but too many of them don't because he's conservative. That's the problem. Anyway, he gave this speech at Notre Dame. Let me just share a bit of it with you. He said, what had given my life, he talked about his early upbringing, his grandparents raised him, and they were devout uh, Catholics, biblical type, I mean, very devout and conservative, and uh, they taught him uh, basically the life itself. So he's talking about that. And he said, he said, um, what had given my life meaning and sense of belonging that this country was my home was jettisoned as old fashioned and antiquated. It was easy and convenient to fill that void with victimhood. So much of my time focused intently on our racial differences and grievances, much like today. He talks about how he went to college and he was um, influenced away from what his grandfather in particular, but his grandparents had taught him about biblical Christianity and patriotism. And he said, the wholeness of my childhood had been replaced with an emptiness, cynicism, and despair. I was faced with the simple fact that there was no greater truth than what my nuns and grandparents had taught me, that we were all children of God and rightful heirs to our nation's legacy of equality. We had to live up to the obligations, the equal citizenship to which we are all entitled by birth. He said as he continued to work for government, 
he became deeply interested in the Declaration of Independence. And he goes on to say that reading the Declaration of Independence and studying it in the context of the biblical truth that he had been taught as a kid brought him back to where he rediscovered the God-given principles of the Declaration, our founding, the Bible, and he returned to church. He's been teaching this same truth since that transformation. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.